Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, my name is Grigor Dimitrov, and you're listening to Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast. The Australian Open is in the books. We've had Novak Djokovic winning the title over Andy Murray, and they're all starting again in Rotterdam this week with Andy Murray back in action already. But we are here for a special edition of the Tennis Podcast today because one of the great champions of the sport, Leighton Hewitt, has just been announced as a wild card into the Aegon Championships at the Queen's Club Tournament, where I'm the media director, so I'll get that out of the way right away. But the fact is, this is a wild card with a bit of a difference, because normally... Tennis players are given wild cards just before tournaments start, after the entry list has, has come and gone, but not this time. Let's find out a little bit more about why Leighton Hewitt has got a wild card from the tournament director who's sitting alongside me at the moment, Mr. Stephen Farrow. And Stephen, this is a wild card with a difference, isn't it, for Leighton? Because he's decided he's calling time on his career uh, after the Australian Open, his 20th Australian Open. And I imagine once you found out that he wanted to play the Aegon Championships at Queen's again, it was uh, a pretty straightforward decision. Oh, absolutely. It took me roughly two seconds to decide to grant Leighton this wild card. Um, we're just honoured, to be honest. Leighton's in this farewell year of his career and he's decided he wants to come and play our event. It's an honour for us to have, to have him back. He's one of our legendary champions, uh, one of our full-time winners alongside Andy Roddick, uh, Boris Becker and John McEnroe and to have him back one final time is is fantastic for our event and we're very much looking forward to welcoming him, him back yeah absolutely because I mean he is a player who's actually going to be playing his 16th time at this tournament at the Queen's Club and one thinks of the players he's had to play against over the years huge hitters like Pete Sampras and and uh, all the greats of the game really that have played the tournament people who've more probably suited to grass court tennis on the face of things than Hewitt, but he managed to win that tournament four times, including going on to win Wimbledon as well. And we can hear from him here on the Tennis Podcast because I caught up with Leighton uh, just a few days ago and he told us about his plans for the year. Yeah, um, yeah obviously I've thought long and hard what I want to do and still get out of the game and you know, I'm still motivated to go out there and compete. And uh, you know, at the moment I'd... The main focus is of these Davis Cup coming up uh, for Australia. We take on the Czech Republic, but uh, the grass court season, obviously, in, in London. And, uh, you know, playing Queens and then obviously Wimbledon, two of the most special places that I've ever played tennis before and had so much success and some of my greatest memories and victories at both those places. So, uh, you know, I can't, go, can't wait to get back there at least one more time. When you were formulating this plan, how long did it take for you to come to the decision that that's what I want to do? 
Uh, well, I'd pretty much always decided since uh, I lost at Wimbledon last year that I was definitely going to go back and enjoy it one more time. Um, I love the grass court swing. Um, so my focus was obviously I've still done enough work that my body's feeling in good enough nick at the moment to go out there and compete against these guys, still over five sets. Um, and I still feel like on grass I have probably my best opportunity as well. Uh, you never know with the draw opening up and, and there's not that many guys that are real contenders you know, of winning the big tournaments on, on that particular surface. Um, but then after that I, I pretty much focus on now making the decision to finish up in Australia, obviously where it all started for me. You've had a lot of years at Queen's specifically. What memories stand out for you? Um, probably one one of the biggest ones was when I beat Pete Sampras in, in the first final there in Queen's. Um, it was a really hot summer's day in England, which was uh, surprising. I just remember in the warm-up, Pete's uh, sliced backhand, how much it was skidding through and staying so low. And you know, I just kept shaking my head, thinking, how the hell am I going to keep getting this back all day? And I was able to actually win in straight sets. And uh, you know, some of my best returning has ever been done on, on that centre court at Queen's Club. So for me, I uh, just love getting back there each year and, and preparing for that tournament. You're in pretty special company. Only four men in the Open era have won it four times. You, John McEnroe, Boris Becker and Andy Roddick. People like Rod Laver have won the tournament. What, what is it about the place for you that, that is special? Uh, which the tradition and history of the place as well. When you walk into Queen's Club, very much like the All England Club at Wimbledon, you, you feel the the history of the place as soon as you walk in there. Obviously the grass court, uh, they're prepared so well, uh, but centre court out at Queen's, you don't get a bad bounce out there. Now we obviously don't even know what the entry list looks like yet, but so it's it's kind of an unprecedented move to be giving somebody guaranteeing somebody a wild card and I think that shows the sort of regard the tournament holds you in what do you still think you can do this time around uh, I still give myself a good shot um, I feel like obviously with a little bit of luck in the draw but as I said the grass court tournament seemed to you know throw a few surprises obviously Queens this year there's going to be one week before uh, on grass actually for some guys to get their eye in before coming to Queens which is the first time that's ever happened um, um, so that's going to be a, a big difference, I think, as well. And obviously going up in stature to an ATP 500 event as well. So, yeah, there's more points and uh, a bit more pressure, I guess, on the line now that it's a slightly bigger tournament on the calendar. So, yeah, I'm uh, still going in there to hopefully do some damage and uh, hopefully avoid some of the real big names because that's one of the biggest things. And I guess most proudest memories of, of winning the Queen's tournament, it always has such a great list. You know, you go there and, and so many world number ones and Grand Slam champions and guys that are going to hold up the Wimbledon trophy a couple of weeks later often uh, do their preparation at the Queen's Club and you did that of course yourself I, I just wonder in, in terms of um, players that you might play you, you say you want to avoid the big names but is there a bit of the you that would maybe like to face Andy Murray on one of those courts? Oh, it'd be nice to face Andy at some stage uh, at Queen's Club. He's obviously had so much success there as well. and uh, he, he always has to carry the flag, obviously, for Great Britain at, at that month of the year. Um, but, you know, he plays so well on the grass courts, obviously. He's had, you know, winning the Olympics and Wimbledon and, and Queen's as well. So, uh, you know, it'd be nice, but hopefully ladder in the tournament. So that's Leighton Hewitt talking to me just a few days ago and... Uh, he sounds as fired up as he ever did, Stephen. I mean, you know, he's not just going around the world to, to say goodbye to everybody, is he? I mean, he really does mean business. Of course, but, you know, anyone who's seen Leighton play tennis knows that he always gives his all. And he he's a, sounds a cliche to say it, but he is a fighter. And uh, we've seen so much of that on our courts uh, at, at the Queen's Club over the years. And uh, I'm sure he will give as good as he gets in the summer. Absolutely. Now, we're going to get your 
memories of Leighton Hewitt listeners uh, here on the Tennis Podcast in just a moment or two, and, and there are plenty of them because this is a guy who has been playing professional tennis, Stephen, for more than half of his life, I worked out the other day. He's been, he first, I remember I first saw him play in 1998 at the start of the year, and he was only 16 years of age. He, he won the title in Adelaide, and he beat Andre Agassi in the semifinals. He beat Jason Stoltenberg in the final. Here he is now in his 30s. He's still going. I, I mean, I think it is one of the great stories that this this guy is still cracking along what what are your memories of him well i remember vividly watching Leighton beat tim henman in the final at queens on on the television in in 2001 and also later that same year he beat taylor dent at wimbledon in a five setter which was one of those classic wimbledon matches that seems to go on forever uh, but my um, my sort of personal Real personal memory of watching Leighton Hewitt play um, was in 2004 when I went down to uh, to Wimbledon to queue overnight to uh, to get tickets for Centre Court, and we went on the uh, on the uh, the middle Sunday for the second uh, play on the second Monday, and uh, that night it absolutely poured with rain. We got soaked to the skin, and the next day went on to Centre Court. We were sat right near the front where you get the seats if you if you queue overnight, and it was a baking hot day, and we and we just fried. But we did have the privilege of seeing Leighton Hewitt fight it out with Carlos Moyer. He won in four sets, and it was it was terrific to see him up up close, and it was uh, it was a, a terrific match, and and well worth the hardship of the previous night. Well, absolutely, and I think that anybody who's seen Leighton Hewitt play over the years probably feels a little bit like that. For me, I think it's his sheer bloody mindedness as much as anything that that really stands out. It's not just his tennis ability and his speed around the court. It's the fact that if you said to Leighton Hewitt, "You can't," or "You won't." He would absolutely set about proving that he can, and he will. I think one of my favourites was his response to Yevgeny Kafelnikov after the Russian said he would teach him a lesson in the Davis Cup many, many years ago. You're going back to 1999, and Hewitt was only 18 years of age, and there he was in Australia with with Yevgeny Kafelnikov, an Australian Open champion, a guy who had won the French Open and been to world number one. And he came over and he was basically saying, I'm going to teach this young lad a lesson in front of his own fans. And Hewitt went out, won that match 6-4-7-5-6-2, thrashed Yevgeny Kafelnikov. And afterwards he said, I wanted to come out here and kill him today. There's nothing better than beating a bloke who's been mouthing off all week about how he's going to beat us. I think that pretty much sums up Leighton Hewitt, particularly back then when he was such a, a younger man. I mean, he he's mellowed somewhat, I would say, in, in recent years. He's still a ferocious competitor, but back then he was almost unhinged in the way he would come out onto the court and probably occasionally maybe even overstep the mark in his aggression but I don't know that was just part of the man that was part of the competitor and I love imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. 
Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch court shows in Longland all day? You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. I know it wasn't to everybody's taste at the time, but... It made him fun to watch. You could not take your eyes off of watching him. There was one time as well he went uh, to Brazil. Didn't just do get these great Davis Cup wins in his own home country. He went to Brazil, played against Gustavo Curtin, who was the, the French Open champion in 2001, this was. And he'd just won his second successive French Open crown, had Gustavo Curtin. Went and beat Curtin on clay, 7-6-6-3, in Florianapolis. Really astounding where nobody gave Hewitt a chance in that match. But he wasn't going to back down and he wasn't going to believe that he couldn't win. And sure enough, he did. Hewitt also, over the course of his Davis Cup career, 41 wins and 14 defeats in singles play. I mean, it's a fantastic record. And, you know... I'm a British bloke. I, I, I have, you know, obviously I've, I, I like to see Great Britain do well in the Davis Cup, but there is a, a part of me that would love, love to see Australia win the Davis Cup with Leighton Hewitt in it, in what is, you know, basically going to be his final year of play because he's going to finish up in January at the Australian Open, isn't he? What about your memories? Let's uh, go through a few of yours. At Tennis Podcast on Twitter, you've been sending your thoughts in about Leighton Hewitt from over the years. Ewan McQueen says, One of my favourite Hewitt victories was his straight sets win over one Martin Del Potro at Wimbledon in 2009. It was a stunning performance. And I think, I mean, I'd agree with that because at the time, of course, Del Potro was one of the best players in the world. He was the coming man. He, you know, he towers above Leighton Hewitt, good seven inches taller than him. And Hewitt, the the view was, is was on the wane, but he was able to pull that win out and and really play great tennis. But again, show that steel that he has. And he only just narrowly lost to Andy Roddick in the, uh, I think it was in the semi-finals before Roddick went on to, obviously push. Roger Federer in the final 16-14, and Roddick really should have won the title that year. Such a shame for him that he, he didn't man, manage to quite get the uh, two sets to love lead when he was 6-2 up in the second set tie break. But uh, there we go. Uh, we have um, 
Emerald229, who says the San Jose 2002 final against Andre Agassi is one of the best matches I've ever seen uh, that Leighton Hewitt played and also references that Gustavo Curtin win that uh, Hewitt had in the Davis Cup in Brazil in 2001 as well. Mikaruzuza, I hope I've said that right, says uh, the 2005 Australian Open when Hewitt reached the final, eventually going down to Marit Safin in the final, and that was another memorable one, wasn't it? I remember Hewitt that year was uh, playing in a sleeveless shirt, and uh, I think it was pretty much the only year he ever did that, but uh, he revealed rather more muscular arms than uh, one thought he probably would own for such a... Uh, you know, relatively spindly physique, we'd always thought when he was growing up, but he, he filled out, particularly under Roger Rashid when he was uh, working with him at that time. And we have Adcourt, who says, how about when he beat Pete Sampras in the US Open final? God, yeah, that was a good one. And, uh, I mean, you know, he, he was playing Pistol Pete in front of the, the fans that had roared Sampras onto his first Grand Slam title all those years ago and and he did to Sampras what Sampras had done to all the greats of the game uh, in that stage when he was 19 and, and Hewitt came out and, and thrashed Sampras with some of the most extraordinary returning and defending and, and counter-attacking you could possibly imagine. Um, and I think we also need to hear the view of Catherine Whittaker, don't we? Because she's much missed by us here on the Tennis Podcast. She'll be back soon with us when she can find the time. But she has written in and reminded me of the uh, the time that Leighton Hewitt came back from two sets to love down to beat Roger Federer in five in the Davis Cup in Australia. And that was when Federer was just just about becoming Roger Federer. He'd won Wimbledon for the first time and... He'd shown the glorious tennis we know he's capable of by going two sets to love up against Hewitt, but Hewitt was having none of it. Came back and won it. So what are the future for Leighton Hewitt? Well, we know he's going to be the Davis Cup captain sooner rather than later, I suspect, and um, and he, we know that because he sat alongside uh, the departing captain, Pat Rafter, who's going to stay within Tennis Australia but doesn't want to, to continue as Davis Cup captain. I think he's just simply found the workload with all the other responsibilities too much. Uh, but Wally Mazur is taken over from Rafter on an interim basis, and then Hewitt will step in eventually. But Hewitt is also a really, really impressive commentator. Something we've seen from players like John McEnroe and Jim Courier in recent years, the, the way they've reinvented themselves in the commentary box and shown who they are because they've never really had that opportunity when they're on the court. And Hewitt's starting to, to do the same. Every time he's, he's lost at the Australian Open, he's gone into the Channel 7 commentary box and really shown an insight and an analytical brain and, and an ability to articulate his thoughts incredibly well in the commentary box so do expect to see a lot of him in there I well, at least if he's interested in doing that I'm, I, I don't know for sure but he seems as though he's having a good time when he does that and um, and I think it's uh, to all of our benefit as tennis lovers and on that note and with Andy Murray about to make his first appearance since going down in that Australian Open final I took the chance to ask Hewitt what he believes the future holds for Andy Murray. 
Well, he's still got a, a lot of chances to win Grand Slams, and, and that's what I think he'll be really gunning for in the next three, four, five years' time. Uh, to me, he's back moving to his old self. Uh, he obviously had some back and hip issues uh, for two or three years there, uh, but I feel like there's a massive difference from 12 months ago at the Australian Open to this year at the Australian Open. Um, and you know, he, he's, if he's moving well, he's so hard to beat because his defensive skills are so good, but then he can also attack you. Well, that all sounds pretty positive if you're an Andy Murray fan, doesn't it? What about you? What do you think uh, the future holds for Andy Murray? I've asked you on Twitter, at Tennis Podcast. Toby Nelms says, three more Grand Slam titles, I think, uh, Andy Murray will win, taking the career total to, to five, and perhaps even a very short stint at world number one. Well, crikey, I think most Andy Murray fans would sign up for that. And um, I don't think it's beyond the realms. I think he's... He is capable of winning more Grand Slam titles. And if he were able to string a little bit of form together, even though Novak Djokovic is way ahead in, uh, as number one, it is not impossible that Andy Murray could get to world number one at some stage in his career. I, I, I hope he does, uh, because I think all four of those players that we called the big four would then have been world number one at some point, And that kind of feels right to me. But you've got to do it. Shaheen Ashraf says, a couple more Grand Slams down the line and maybe a, few, maybe a wedding. Well, we know he's going to have a wedding in April. He's already announced that. Um, ATP World Tour blog says, uh, one more Wimbledon and he'll finally win the Australian Open and finish on four or five slams. So a bit of a theme developing here. And Jim B says, three more slams as well. So that does appear to be the, uh, the going rate for Andy Murray supporters at the moment. And he's going to be controversial and says that Andy Murray will win the French Open in 2015 or 2016 and a number two year-end ranking in 2015 as well. Well, plenty of good opinions there knocking around, aren't there? So we'll watch with interest. And don't forget, Leighton Hewitt has been guaranteed that wild card into the Aegon Championships at the Queen's Club, the event he'll play shortly before... Wimbledon, we assume he'll get a wild card there, and uh, then he'll finish up his career in uh, at the Australian Open in January, and uh, hopefully have a great run in the Davis Cup as well. If you want to get tickets to see Hewitt in action and all the other stars at, at Queen's Club in June, it's the 15th to the 21st of June, and we know that already Andy Murray and Grigor Dimitrov, the defending champions, so the last two champions have both signed up to play there, and now Hewitt as well. Tickets will go on general sale on the 3rd of March. So just under a month from now, 3rd of March, do check the Aegon Championships website. Keep across that and see if you can get some tickets. It's a, it's a wonderful place to go and watch tennis. I'm biased, I know that, but it's also true. Well, this podcast has been very much a tribute to Leighton Hewitt. But despite all the titles he's won and the great movement he's had around the court, the wonderful tennis strokes and the 16, 17 years of of effort he's put in. Do you know what I like most about Leighton Hewitt? Is the way he goes. Come on! See you soon, Leighton. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.